The following is a message from Durkeetown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeetown, please visit our website at www.durkeetown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to be back here and uh, preaching uh, to all of you uh, once again, and, and to have that privilege uh, is, is wonderful, and I'm, I'm thankful for uh, those who did pray for me uh, when I was younger, and I'm glad that I can stand here now uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ uh, and, and proclaim his word. So, um, Our text is, is John chapter 20. Uh, I am going to be reading from 24 uh, through 31. It is the text that uh, Charlene read earlier, uh, but I think it's good for us to read it through uh, once more to really get a good idea of what our text is today, to think about it, to meditate on it uh, as, as we do read it. So if, if you could turn there in your scriptures to John 20, I'll give you a moment to get there. And this is uh, the passage again about Thomas. And it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand to, into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray over God's word today. Father God, again, I thank you for uh, the privilege, the honor of being able to step into your pulpit and to preach your word, I pray uh, that it would be just that, that your Holy Spirit would uh, be with me uh, today, that these words uh, would be your words uh, and not mine, Lord. I pray that uh, the work that I've put in this week uh, was guided by uh, your Spirit, and Lord, that 
uh, as it goes out to your people, uh, it will go out into the world and make a difference in the lives of the people here. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I've preached a couple of times here now recently, and I always start out with, with story time, so I thought I'd, I'd do that again today. So it's story time with Brian. And this is a story I've been trying to fit into a sermon for a long time. A long time. But I didn't want to force it, so I haven't, like, you know, forced it in there. But I, I really, I think it applies uh, if, uh, you know, particularly my in-laws know this story uh, it's certainly, if you've been around me for, for a while, you know this story. I call this the bear story. So, uh, so you're already laughing because you know. <laughs> but this is one of my favorite stories to tell. It's kind of a crazy story that happened to me. Uh, it's when I encountered what I thought was a bear uh, and actually I still think was a bear to this day. So uh, I'm going to tell you that story. It had, it had been a tradition of me and my friends to get together annually. It is still a tradition. We get together annually, and we go and we hang out uh, at a cabin together. It's camaraderie. These are my old college buddies. They're all Christians. We encourage one another. We play games. We do fun stuff. Uh, and this was probably 10 or 15 years ago. I'm not exactly sure what the date was. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid to early to mid-20s, uh, and we're out at this cabin, and another one of our traditions was to walk a quarter of a mile in the dark and close the gate, right? We didn't want people coming into the camp. We're out in western Pennsylvania. This is the wilderness, uh, and it's kind of isolated, but as kind of a fun thing, scary thing to do, we would go out in the dark, we'd walk that quarter mile, and we'd close the, day, the, gate, the gate out there because we were super brave, you know? And, and that's what we wanted to do. This particular night, it was pitch black outside. And originally, what, we, what, we brought out, what I brought out with us was uh, uh, one of those flashlights that you shake to get it to work. And uh, it wasn't very bright. It was swallowed up by the dark. You couldn't see more than five feet in front of you. And we start hearing noises. And it sounded like kind of like a hooting noise, like out in the, out in the dark. And, uh, you know, I learned from camping when I was a kid that that's, that's a, a noise that a bear makes, a black bear makes. Um, and that's how I identified it. And all my friends thought I was crazy. They're like, that's not a bear. I'm like, I'm telling you, that's a bear. There's a bear out there. And they're like, no, no, no. But apparently it scared them enough, right? Because we, we, we all got geared up, right? Some of them were geeks. He, they brought like replica swords and stuff with them. And uh, we, they had some of those. There was like this old logging hook that was there too to drag logs through the forest. Uh, a hand axe, which is what I had. Um, so we, we got geared up. We got those, uh, the only thing we had were those mosquito tiki torches. So we were holding those. So here we are, a bunch of dudes. We look like Lord of the Rings going through the forests, right? And in the middle of the night, we're, again, a bunch of, just a bunch of dorks. And, and we're traveling through, and we're like, we're going to go close the gate. You know, that was our quest. Uh, um, and it, it just, it, when I think about it now, we must have looked really silly. Um, and we're marched through the woods. And then a car, like, as we get towards the road, like, a car goes past, and I'm worried, like, oh, they're going to see us, and they're going to think we're really, like, you know, dorky, geeky, or whatever. Uh, but the, the, the car goes past, and my friend's fiddling with a lock, and on the other side of the road, we just hear this tremendous crash through the brush over there. 
tremendous crash. And I'm like, we're all, of course, we all like, we don't say anything, but we all like stand up like this. Uh, and of course, I had mentioned a bear earlier. And so everyone's kind of perked up, you know, and uh, I see my friend, he, he's going a little bit faster with that lock, you know, but he's shaking. I see my one friend, he's got an actual ax in his hand. He stands up, he's like ready to go. And, uh, and he finally gets the, the lock locked and we're like, okay, we got to get back to the cabin. And then what do we hear on our side of the road? Just a tremendous crash through the laurel. There's out in Western Pennsylvania, there's like these laurel bushes that are out there. And I mean, whatever it was, was just huge. And it's crashing through these, these trees and these bushes. And again, we can't see more than like five feet, even with the lights that we had, we can't see anything past that, that light. And we're like freaking out. My friends start to freak out, and what do I hear? But the shuffling of feet, and two of my friends I see are about to take off and run. And so I say, don't run, don't run. And later on, they were like, Brian, that was really smart. You know, you should never run from a wild animal. You, we're glad you thought of that, you know what I mean? And I wish that was what I was thinking, but honestly, what I was thinking was, I'm the slowest person here. <laughs> And so if I start, if, I, if everyone starts running, first thing that animal's going to catch is me, right? <laughs> so I don't want anyone to run. But I also knew not to run from wild animals. It's not a good idea. So we stood back to back, and we're, we're making our way back through, and we just hear it pacing us through the forest. Like, we can hear it as it's moving with us as we're going back towards the cabin. And we've got a decent hike ahead of us, you know, not, it's not going to take too long, but man, we're, we're getting kind of scared. I, my heart's racing, you know, it, it starts to race even talking about it now, but um, my heart's racing. We get to the bridge and I'm like, if we get past the bridge, I think we'll be okay. We might even be able to see it. I don't know, but it charges it. Like it charges through the, the woods. You can hear it. It's just like, boom. And it, it's one of those telling moments. You're like, what would I do in a moment like this? And both me and my friend Zach were like, here we go. Like, we're ready to go, right? Um, we're thinking we're about to fight some kind of wild animal uh, that comes through the bushes. And then dead silence. Dead silence. We don't see anything. We don't hear anything from that point on. Uh, we kind of reset ourselves, and we make our way back to the cabin. To this day, I still think it was a bear. We argue about whether it was a bear or not. Um, Black bears are known to false charge like that, so it's not uncommon for them to do that. But my point in telling the story is I never saw a thing, right? I never saw, physically saw, uh, the wild animal. But did I believe it was there? Yeah, you better believe I did. <laughs> the evidence was all around us, right? We heard the noise. We could hear the grunts of, of the animal uh, as it was coming at us. And if we had ignored all the signs, if we had ignored the presence of something that we couldn't see, the consequences uh, would have been dire. Now, this is a problem for a lot of people in the world. If we don't see things, especially in the West, if we don't see things, if we can't empirically prove that they're there, if we can't see them, smell them, hear them, touch them, you know, those, we can't get them through our five senses, then they don't exist, right? Uh, and that's a, that's a problem for a lot of people. And, and it was a problem for Thomas as well. You see, he had 
he had uh, interacted with Jesus uh, before his, his death. Um, and we see the disciples previous to this passage, they all encounter Jesus in a similar way that they're going to encounter Jesus uh, in this passage as well. But Thomas isn't there, so he doesn't see it. And what does he say? Unless I see Jesus, I'm, I'm not going to believe before we get into the Thomas story, we need to think about some of the themes that we've been going over and we've been presented with over the last couple of weeks. We've learned that Jesus is the light of the world, right? That's the entire first half of John, the theme of Jesus being the light uh, in the darkness. It's all over that whole part of the book of John. It talks about his love. Again, the light aspect, Jesus is visible, Right? It talks about, there's a theme, of course, as well, that the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now, there's two aspects to that. The Son of Man will, will be lifted up, Son of Man being the title for Christ. He'll be lifted up, he'll be exalted, but there is also the aspect that he will be lifted up on a cross. Again, very visible, right? He has been visible. His death and his humiliation at the cross were very visible, and soon, he's going to ascend, uh, and he'll be at the right hand of the Father, and, and Jesus won't be visible to his disciples. And he's not physically visible to us, right? We move from the physical presence of the Son here on earth to the invisible presence of his Spirit here on earth as he physically sits at the right hand of, of power uh, with the Father, and so this is something that the, the apostles are going to have to deal with, the disciples are going to have to deal with. But even in that post-resurrection time, we see Thomas dealing with it as well. So we don't physically see Jesus. And as I said, this can be a problem for a lot of people because seeing in their mind is believing. But there is all evidence all around us that Jesus is present in this dark age. And just like it would be a mistake for me and my friends to ignore the obvious telltale signs of a bear in the woods, I think it would be a, a, a dire thing to miss the presence of Jesus uh, based on the th all the things that we've learned and the identity and who he is and what he is in the world, it would have dire consequences if we were to ignore that. And we learn this uh, from our text today, from this familiar text about Thomas, who's called Doubting Thomas, right? Because this is one of the most famous texts uh, about him. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think this is just a very dramatic scene, and I, I think that's why it's, it's a popular uh, text, even amongst unbelievers, I think, when, when they see it and they, they interact with it. But here we have Thomas, who is told that Jesus appeared to the others, and they tell him what? We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And Thomas responds to this, and a lot of us probably put a little bit of judgment on, on how Thomas responds here, but he says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
Think about how emphatic that is. Put yourself in Thomas's shoes for a moment. He watched Jesus throughout his ministry. He saw all of the miracles that Jesus performed, or many, at least many of the miracles that Jesus performed, but he just also watched the brutal murder, execution of this Messiah in one of the most humiliating ways possible, a man who he thought could be God incarnate. And even with all that Thomas witnessed, even with the, the stern warning of Jesus, he, he had talked to his disciples and his followers beforehand, telling him that he was going to die and he, he needed to die and after three days be resurrected. Thomas still doubted. Are there any doubters in this room? Some of us, I think, would think, no, I don't. I don't doubt anymore. But we all have, I think, even throughout, no matter how mature you are as a Christian, we all have moments, I think, of doubt. And so I think Thomas is, is very relatable here. We all deal with doubt. We all deal with stubbornness in our lives when it comes particularly to Jesus and how we should respond to him. And so we can easily identify with Thomas here. And then, after eight days, so you can imagine Thomas hears this from his friends, and then eight days pass, and he doesn't see Jesus, right? I, I kind of missed that uh, on my previous readings of this text. I didn't think about it too much. But eight days goes by. So Thomas has to deal with that doubt for more than a week. He has to have that ruminating in his head. Uh, you know, his friends, people he thinks are his friends, uh, who he presumably thinks have just either lied to him or are telling him tall tales or whatever, uh, you know, he's, he's letting that ruminate in his head that did he really come back? Did he, is he, is he really, has he really appeared to these people? So he's, he's dealing with this for eight days. And then, just as Jesus had done to the other disciples before, he appears in a, in a locked room. A locked room in front of Thomas. And he presents his hands. And he presents his side to Thomas. It's a very intimate moment. He says, peace be with you. And he says, put your finger here and see my hands. <laughs> Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I'm taken aback because of the mercy of Christ in this moment. Think about the stubbornness of Thomas, all that he had seen, the miracles of Christ, uh, his, his brazen disbelief in what we've learned over the last month or so is the great I am, right? He is the God of the universe, and Christ still has mercy. And beckons Thomas to believe, beckons him to believe. Believe, don't disbelieve. 
And what is Thomas' answer? It's simple. My Lord and my God. So he's calling Jesus his master. Uh, certainly uh, equating, you know, the, the Greek for Lord is, is kurios. It's, it, means, it means Lord, master. It can be equated with uh, what we, we call Lord in the Old Testament as well. But then he says, my God, as well. Uh, don't kind of gloss over that. We, you know, Trinitarians, 2,000 years later, we look at that and we might skip over it. But this is one of the few times that Jesus is referred to as, in the Greek, theos, but he's referred to as God. And Jesus doesn't correct him. He doesn't correct him. He does rebuke him a little bit for his disbelief, and we'll get to that, but he, does, he doesn't correct him. And this here is consistent with the I am statements that we've had earlier in the text as well. That when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, and so on and so forth, that I am, that ego and me, which is in Greek, is equivalent to the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. When, when God from the burning bush tells Moses, I am that I am. So Jesus is equating himself with Yahweh in the Old Testament. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. Now, there, there is a sharp rebuke here a little bit for, for Thomas. And he, he says, have you believed because you have seen me? So he's saying, just because you've seen me, now, now you believe? Uh, you know, Thomas, just like us, had the Old Testament. He had the word of God. He knew the promises of God. He had a problem, a heart problem, just as all of us do, right? And we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit uh, to help us with that heart issue. And this is the part of the text where you all come in, right? If, if you have believed in Christ. But he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, there is a deeper blessing to those who believe in Christ sight unseen. Right? When we, we, ha- we don't have the physical presence of Christ, right? but we still believe. Now, it's not a blind faith. Right? The evidence, just like that bear in the woods, right? the evidence is all around us. Uh, things simply don't make sense without the Christian God. That's how I'll say it. We, don't, we, don't have sense, we, don't, we can't make sense of morals. Uh, we can't make sense of beauty. We can't make sense of art. Uh, we can't make sense of uh, all the beautiful things that we experience. We can't make sense of uh, logic. It doesn't make any sense. Really, and, and this comes from somebody who I listen to a lot, Greg Bonson. He, he says, really, logic and reasoning... That's us, when we think rightly, we're thinking God's thoughts after him. Right? He's the basis for all of, all of those things. See, the evidence of King Jesus is all around us all the time, and it's undeniable. As undeniable as the fact that I was chased by some wild animal in the woods. And we can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. The story of Thomas demonstrates the greater purpose that John has been presenting 
throughout the book and that Pastor Ken has been talking about. We have the I am statements that Pastor Ken has gone through and each one has talked about what each one of those statements means and what it should mean for our lives when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He's the provider of the very means of life, both here on earth and eternal. He is the light of the world. He is the one who reveals to us. He is the gate for the sheep. He's the way in which we enter uh, the kingdom. He's the good shepherd. He leads us along the right paths. Psalm 23 immediately comes to mind. Uh, He is the resurrection and the life, right? He controls life and death. Uh, He he controls uh, new life as well. He is the resurrection. He has been resurrected and he will resurrect his followers. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the true vine, the one who brings us into the family of God. That is the identity of the one in which we should believe, the the person in whom we should believe. That faith that we have as a result of who Jesus is should order our lives. It should make a difference. I want to read that last line to you from the purpose statement. I'll just read the, the statement from verse 30 on. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, certainly, the object of that is eternal life, right? And we see that all throughout the text of Scripture Jesus is our Savior, and he means for us to live with him and be a part of his family forever. And in believing in him, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, the fact that he atoned for your sins on the cross, and that believing in him and believing him is what brings you into his family, that's a huge part of the story, right? But I think there's more to it than that as well. I don't think we're just talking about the life beyond eternal life, but we're also talking about our life now. We are to have abundant life, as I heard earlier, uh, through uh, the worship service. Uh, We will have life and we'll, we'll have it abundantly. That you will have life in his name You see, we as Christians used to do tremendous things in society. Seen all throughout Europe. can be seen in the architecture of Europe. They had a long vision for what the world was supposed to be, which was a world where the nations bowed down to King Jesus. You see it in cathedrals. They were built, not just not just built beautifully, and they are beautiful, but they were built to last for a long time, and they have. Christians used to build societies. They used to build churches, yes, but they used to also, even in this country, where were the best hospitals? Where were the best schools? I'll name a few. Princeton, Harvard. Those were Christian inventions, 
Most of you, some of you maybe did not know that. Those started out as seminaries. We used to build shelters and orphanages. We used to build our businesses around who Jesus Christ is. So when we look to, and I had a, a great conversation with Todd uh, last week or so, um, but I, I noted this fact. The, the reason that we've lost the culture isn't because they moved away from us, but there was, I think, a sickness in the church and we abdicated those things to government and pagans. If we've lost the culture, that's why we've lost it. Because we gave up on those things. Now, those are big things, and I don't think we're there as a church in America yet. I think we need to start with the little things. Raising godly families. Raising children, teaching the next generation. We have to have a long view. And then we might get back to building society again. But it, it comes back to those simple, ordinary things in life that we've been talking about uh, throughout the last few years here. Being faithful in the ordinary things. So start small, and then I think we can, we can expand and get bigger. But I, I would ask you this question. What is God calling you to do for his kingdom? What is God calling you to do for his kingdom? That's not a question you can ask, answer right now, I don't think, if you haven't been thinking about it already. But this is something that you need to think about. What is God calling you to do in and, and for his kingdom? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's part of that faith in the unseen, right? The things that we can't see. It's hard in the moment to look to the future when it seems uncertain, uh, but we also serve the king uh, of the future. <laughs> the king who controls all things. So That is the question that I will leave with you. What is God calling you to do in and for his kingdom? And I, I would ask you to think about that, not just today, but throughout your life and, and, and think about it uh, without, and just obliterate the, you know, any of the excuses in your life. We, we were talking about being Bereans in, uh, in VBS this past week when we were here. And uh, I, had, I had thought of the, the example of, of Julian Edelman. I think it was during the Super Bowl. He's just yelling in Tom Brady's face, you're too old. You're too old. He's getting him fired up, you know. He's, uh, he's 43 at the time or whatever, but he's just telling the guy, you're too old, you're too old. And it's, it's hyping up Tom Brady, who's you know, now known as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, but some people let those excuses get them down. We, we, need to, we need to stop making excuses. And we need to get out there. We're not too old. We don't lack the resources. We don't lack anything. We can do it. We can make the change here in Fort Edward, Hudson Falls, Gwens Falls, upstate New York, the United States. There's no reason this can't be the hub of the universe. Right? <laughs> and so that, that's my challenge to us. 
we need to start thinking uh, about what we can do in God's kingdom, and we need to remember in that that we need to have faith and believe in Jesus Christ, who is all the things that we've been talking about over the last few months. And so that's my challenge to you. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, it, it includes imperfect people who you use to do incredible things in the world. Uh, we know that Thomas went on uh, to do amazing things for your kingdom that you had tremendous mercy on his life, that he was a lifelong believer and was most likely martyred and killed uh, for your name. Lord, we thank you that, that we are part of that heritage. And God, uh, I pray that each one of us uh, would do some introspection, look on the inside, think about uh, who we are in you, think about you as the king that we serve and that you can do all things. And I pray that we would challenge ourselves uh, to do great things, to do hard things uh, here in this world for you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.